Welcome to the Journey to Pay Speaking Gates podcast. I'm your host, Charles Clark, and today I have on the show Mike Michalowicz. He has some amazing experience in entrepreneurship, writing, and motivational speaking. He has authored several books and founded two multi-million dollar companies. So I really believe his journey and experience are something that everyone can learn from, including myself. If you like what you hear today, check out the Journey to Pay Speaking Gigs Academy on my website at thecharlesclark.com forward slash apply. That's thecharlesclark.com forward slash apply, where you're going to learn everything that you need to know about creating a successful speaking business. Anyway, let's invite Mike on to the show. Mike, walk to the show. Charles, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. I'm so excited to dive in. I, I, just to learn about you online, to having a conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. So, You're a stud, so, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so let the Throughout Tribe know, who is Mike? Yeah. So uh, who I am today is uh, I'm an author. Uh, I've, I've written seven books. Uh, I'm, I'm a public speaker too. Um, COVID did put a little slowdown in, in that business for me, but it, it's coming back now. Um, and yeah. prior to that, I've been an entrepreneur. In fact, I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life. Um, I just love writing books, particularly about the entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of like sparked being an entrepreneur? Because that takes some different blood, right? Like every, yeah. it's not meant for everybody. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and like, I wasn't the kid who grew up like, oh, I had a paper route or I was you know, wheeling and dealing with, with other students. I, I had no entrepreneurial drive whatsoever. What did it for me actually was booze. I, uh, I got my first job after college working at a computer store. I couldn't get a quote unquote real job, like what I really wanted. So I was working at a computer store just selling printers and stuff. And um, one night I went out for drinks with another guy that worked there. I threw back a couple cold ones and I'm like, I'm smarter than this guy that runs the business. And I got pretty boozed up and uh, I left this nasty message. I'm like, I'm starting my own computer company. Uh, and the next day, uh, hungover, I asked for my job back. The boss said, F you. And um, I, had to start, I had to start my own business. I, I also, just to give some context, I was 23 at the time. I also had my first son and my wife. I had three mouths to feed and had to figure it out. And I'll tell you, fear is a great motivator. It gets you, yeah. it gets you going. Yeah. yeah. Flight or flight, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got to, you're in the fight then. You got to fight. Yeah. You know, I, I think just as, as humans, I think we got to understand we're, we're more resilient than we think. You know, I, I think we're going through COVID and just experience the unexpected and how we all made it through. Uh, yeah. that, that just shows like we can do beyond the, the survival mode of what most people are accustomed to. So uh, thanks for sharing that story. Thank you. Uh, so, so tell me about your story. How did you get into speaking? You, you pivoted from being becoming like this entrepreneur business side yeah. to, you know, the entertainment aspect of, of business. Yeah. So um, it's a very humbling story. Uh, we were talking about this off air. And so what, what happened, so just to give more context, I, I started that first company and struggled in the beginning, but I really fell in love with entrepreneurship and, and I got it going. The private equity group came in and acquired the business. And I was like, wow, um, I just sold a company. This is unbelievable. I started another business in computer crime investigation, actually right when the Enron trial broke and we got part of the Enron trial, put my business on the map and just, we exploded and a fortune 500 came in and bought my business. But it was, it was wonderful. But 
also, I thought I was hot shit. Like, oh my God, I am Midas. Anything I touch turns to gold. And yeah. you know, I think the, the, the one upstairs had a, a, an alternative plan for me is this is my lesson. So I started a third business as an angel investor and I, I sucked at it. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I, I really, that's just not a passion of mine, but I was like, this is what I have to do. And I blew all my money. Uh, as a result, I, it was so bad. I lost my house, lost possessions, lost everything except for my family. I came home to my wife. I had three children at this time and uh, had to tell them this was February 14th, which is Valentine's day of 2008. So it's you know, wow. 13 years ago. And uh, told my wife that we're losing our house because I didn't know what I was doing in business. And I was sobbing. I was so ashamed and embarrassed. My nine-year-old daughter, I told her, you can't go to horseback riding lessons. It cost 20 bucks to do like a group session once every couple of weeks. Couldn't afford it. I was broke. And uh, I'm sobbing that I'm so sorry, but you can't do this. She stood up and she ran out of the room and I thought she was running away because that's kind of what I wanted to do. But she actually ran to her bedroom. She grabbed her little piggy bank. She was saving to buy a horse. She ran back to me. She puts on the table. She goes, daddy, I know you can't provide for our family anymore, but I'll do it. And uh, I'm getting emotional right now. I was, yeah, man. Oh my God. It was a punch to the gut. I was so proud of her. I was so ashamed of who I was. Uh, that moment became a seed for me. And by, and by the way, just to be clear, it wasn't like the next morning I woke up and said, oh, everything's resolved. I'm going to fix this. I, st- right. I started drinking a lot, uh, um, uh, trying to self medicate effectively. I should have gone through counseling, honestly. Yeah. But it did plant a seed that I didn't understand what makes entrepreneurship successful. I was lucky a few times, but I didn't really understand the essence of it. I started writing about it for myself. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, I got, I'm going to turn this into books. And uh, every book I've written, honestly, is to investigate something I really don't understand fully about entrepreneurship. And it serves me. I hope it serves the people who read my books. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's an amazing story. Uh, I think it's so humbling. And I'm, I'm curious to know, like for you, what was that? What was the the silver lining? What was the the hope behind that moment with your daughter? What did that do for you? Well, a couple of you know, realization is that um, at the end of the day, you know, family is everything or, or the people who love you. Sometimes it isn't family, but the people that you're surrounded by are everything and to, and to support them unabashedly. I, I also think it was an awareness about honesty. I, I wasn't being honest with my children. I wasn't being, or family. I, I didn't tell them that we're struggling. I wasn't being honest with myself. I saw my bank account dwindling. I didn't really even understand it. Logically, I did, but emotionally, I didn't accept it. And when I got yeah. to that point, that day, it was brutal honesty. There was no more clouding my judgment or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it opened my eyes. It's funny in retrospect, as I've looked back at aspects of my life, and I think, Charles, if you did the same for yours, uh, these lowest moments, sometimes, in my case, many times, were actually the greatest gift because they, yeah. opened, they opened my kind of tunnel vision uh, much broader, and, and I could see opportunity. I, I, I never want even my worst enemy to go through an experience like that. But at the yeah. same time, I'm so grateful that I went through that experience because I wouldn't be where I am today if I, if I didn't. Yeah. I think that the thing that I'm learning is that life, like th- life throws us a lot of things, right? And sometimes people say like, like life happens um, to me or life happens for me. Yeah. And I, I believe yeah. like, it's simply a choice that we have. Like, 
we can decide what oh. that life experience cost us. Was it, was it happiness or was it, you know, on the negative spectrum or, you know, did this give me some type of gratitude, appreciation? Those are the choices that we have. And I think the more we lean to more, the, the more optimistic viewpoint, I mean, and optimism doesn't mean like you're ignorant of things that's happening, no. but optimistic, like you're, you're pursuing, I don't want to stop. I want to still be resilient and, and achieve my goals and, and make something of myself or make my family proud, all of those things. So like, I, I, I relate to you um, so, so much in, in so many different aspects. I wish we had more time to dive into that. But, um, you know, you, you pivoted from, from the business side yeah. to the, the speaking realm. Yep. And I'm, I'm curious to know, like for you, was there any fears that you had uh, when you started to speak or was there any limiting beliefs that you had to overcome? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, first of all, I thought, like, would anyone want to hear me speak? Like why? Um, yeah. You know, so it's what I have to offer even desirable. And then the stuff I'm sharing, it's stuff that I think maybe everyone already knows. So now am I just telling them something? No, and like this guy sucks, and they're gonna throw tomatoes at me. In <laughs> <laughs> the start was difficult because in, in the beginning, those beliefs are kind of confirmed. When I did my first speaking gig, uh, it, it was just to a, a few college students because I, I reached out to a college club and said, Can I speak? Uh, but my second gig, I'll never forget this one. This was devastating, or it wasn't maybe my second, but it was in the first year. I spoke yeah. at UCI, which is University of California in Irvine, California. And um, I, I reached out to this club, this entrepreneur's club and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be in the area. I'd love to speak at your, uh, to your club if you want to have an event. And like, this is amazing. We have all these different business fraternities and clubs. We can get a couple hundred people here. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I felt <laughs> I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> this is no lie. There's no lie. I show up. There's one kid sitting there. And this is about, I showed up, you know, 20 minutes early, just to make sure I got the room set up. And uh, right. he's sitting there, he's on his phone. He doesn't even look up. He goes, are you speaker? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, he goes, there's a fraternity party happening tonight. He's like, I don't know if anyone's going to come. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, no one showed. It was just his kid. He was the oh. facilitator. He had to be there and he was pissed because yeah. he wanted to be at the party. I, I, I decided that moment, deliver the effing speech to an mm -hmm. empty room with one person not looking up tears like literal tears coming down at times. Like this is embarrassing beyond belief. Wow. But at the end of it, I remember saying to myself, like you did it. That's the worst speech. Like there can never be a worse speech ever. You got that one done now. And uh, I've had some bummers since, but never ever that bad again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think so many uh, new speakers, there might be at that same place where yeah. maybe no one shows up to the party. Maybe there's two yep. or three or five, but yeah. the way you show up in those, in those moments when you don't want to show up, it, it's so important to create those big moments in our life so that when we're getting on the stage and, and now the 150 and now the 500 happens, but you got to learn to do the things behind the scenes because you if you to. never do it behind the scenes, it's never going to, you're never going to get the spotlight to do it in front. Amen. You know, my favorite speakers are uh, comedians because what I love about yeah. them is these are people that can go on the stage. They don't have any PowerPoints, nothing. They speak for 60 minutes, 90 minutes straight. Um, they, they're performers really is what it is. And that's, I think a great speech right. is not a speech. It's a performance. Mm -hmm. What I admire about those people too is you see the thing, you know, the Netflix special, but the reality is they were in some, you know, barroom scenes doing their gigs 
testing stuff out, flopping, even the famous folks, even the big names, it's not like they nailed their, their uh, comedic routine the first go around. They're testing yeah. and trying things out. The yeah. best speakers I've seen consistently um, don't always do the big platforms. They're always practicing the new stuff on the small ones to see what's working or not. And over time, they assemble this amazing presentation. Yeah, so so true. Like I'm, I'm always in my living room. I, I, I remember one time I went down to the beach and I was like, hey, excuse me, ma'am. Like I didn't know the lady. Would you mind listening to one of the first points in my speech? <laughs> and she sat down in the in the sand, and she was like, and she gave me some pointers. I'm like, all right, cool. You got to get it in the way you're gonna get it in, right? Like because I don't want to get to a, a, a big stage and it don't land right. And now, now I'm humiliated, and and now that brings down my value as a speaker. I'd rather do those little things behind the scenes. Uh, to totally, you know I mean? totally. Uh, you know. So, so what I do is I have my core presentation uh, on like four different subjects. And when I'm with a, 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 a practice audience, if you will, small venues, stuff like this, I will test out five to 10% of the, the speech with brand new stuff to see what works and what doesn't work. And some of the stuff yeah. that I think would kill it sucks. It falls totally flat. And stuff yeah. that I think is kind of stupid sometimes is like the big hit. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird. In fact, yeah. I, I even have one audience, it's a chamber who, um, as I've been very blessed as my books have grown popularity and so forth, um, I, I get inquiries for speaking. But I said to this one group, I said, um, would you be willing to be my test group? Like every time I come up with something new, brand new, I'll tell you. And if you want, I'll come down and present it to you. And they've had me now for 10 years. Just they, they're the first to see the, the wow. gross kind of roll out of my first presentation and uh the, they, and they give me critical feedback saying this was this was funny this was impactful this made no sense this was stupid you know mm. and, yeah. and, and videotape yourself right and videotape yourself there's nothing more humbling than watching yourself you know slump shoulders at a point or or saying the word yeah. um a thousand times in a row when i didn't realize i was doing it <laughs> yeah tape catches yeah. all my, my my word is the the i guess my filler word would be right I, I use that word sometimes. I'm yeah, like, you're right. But I feel like- <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you because as certain, like, like this is just natural, but, but for the audience, it becomes very peculiar. There's another speaker mm-hmm. I see. He says um, he, his filler words. Okay. He's like, we're here. Okay. okay? We're there. And, <laughs> and the audience is like, no, this is not okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Use it one time, but don't like one time every one time. two, three minutes. It's like, all right. Okay, all right. Okay, right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Very uh, difficult for an audience to consume that. Tell me um, one memorable speech you gave on stage and what, what happened that day? So it, it's turned into now my biggest speech. So I spoke to an event. Uh, it's called PPA, Professional Photographers Association. There were 600 people in the room. Uh, and I was presenting uh, on a book I wrote called The Pumpkin Plane. Uh, just kind of the conclusion of this is I am now their keynote speaker for 10,000 people. Uh, this December, I'm in Washington, D.C., their annual conference because right. of this presentation. Well, I'm speaking and you know, I, I use some jokes and stuff, and I know certain ones that just kind of land, and the audience enjoys it. But this one woman uh, just was front row. She couldn't stop laughing. And I, I, in the, during the presentation, you know, you know your presentation is when it's canned. It's, you've done it so many times that you actually are kind of observing yourself present it. It becomes fluid yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, it's very rough. Then it becomes very kind of cloned and weird. And then there's this freedom where it's just, you got it down. 
right? Cool. It's just being, I'm there. Yeah. And, yeah. I was, boom, boom, and I see this woman laughing and I'm like, okay, let's have some fun here. And I just kind of, I, I start engaging with her and get her laughing. I got a microphone on her. So she's laughing so loud and snorting and stuff. And I'm kind of riffing <laughs> with her that the whole yeah. audience can't stop their laughter because it just, wow, the wow. funny sounds coming out of her. And yeah. um, <laughs> at the end of that presentation, they said, Oh, Mike, the speaker guy is going to do a little uh, breakout room um, for anyone that's interested to do some questions. 600 people try to get in the breakout room that was suited for about 25 people. That's wow. the best feeling when people are crunched wow. in, trying to look wow. in. It, it just was, it was just great. It was just a great experience. Man, that, that's, that's incredible. You know, I, I always love hearing stories of what was memorable for somebody. And, and, and most of the time when, when people answer that question, it's always something to do with the audience, not what they said but the feeling that the audience gave them. And I think that's the thing that allows us to, to live that legacy and be mindful of like, what am I doing this for? Is it to put totally. on a show or, you know, like, or is this to build a connection with people? Like that's, I think that's true speaking, building yeah. connection. It's there was a, uh, another speaker said to me, he said, he goes, never forget this. You are speaking to one person in that audience even if you're, yeah. it's a dead flat audience, there's someone in there that needs to hear what you're saying. Speak to yeah. one person, regardless if there's 10,000 in the room or there's literally one. And someone in there, regardless of the audiences, because you know, some audiences, the energy is so high, you just can't help but bring the best to you. Other times it's a dead audience. It's like, oh God, this is hard. But yeah. if, if you're speaking to that one person, I think you'll bring the best to yourself every time. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Give me two sentences of of this two sentences what would you tell someone who is starting out and they're looking to to break free in the speaking industry so your message is important um i, I think you have to see the value in that secondly yeah. is um uh speak how much i say say speak frequently meaning uh speaking is not a one and done endeavor it, it's a lifelong endeavor so that message you're sharing um, do it frequently because it may be that first audience or maybe the fifth, the 500th audience is the one that really needs to hear it. So your message is important and be relentless. Yeah. Love it. Mike, before we go, where can a tribe find you? Oh, real simple. My nickname is Mike motorbike because no one can spell McCallowitz. Go to <laughs> MikeMotorbike.com. It rhymes. Uh, all my books are there. You can learn from that. You can see what I do with my speaking career there. Maybe you can copy some ideas from my website too. Uh, yeah. And you'll definitely find it to be a different website, mikemotorbike.com. Mike, man, I love this episode. Short to the point. I love, love it. it, man. Thank you so much. That's the love, brother. Charles, thank you, brother. All right, Tribe. Here are the takeaways for today's conversation with Mike. One, surround yourself with people who love and care for you. They will support you when you feel like you cannot support yourself. Two, be honest period. Three, remember what Mike said. Your message is important. Speak frequently and be relentless. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And if you found this content worth sharing, worth listening to again, then follow the podcast, share it with a friend. And if you're interested in learning more, remember to check out the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs Academy on my website at thecharlesclark.com forward slash apply. We are currently enrolling students into the academy. You can also follow me at the Charles Clark on all major social media platforms. I'll catch you guys on the next episode.
Peace.